This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. Hi friends, thank you for joining me for another episode of Library of the 13th, SSJCPL Podcast Network's premier horror podcast. I'm your host, Michael Vineyard, and I am joined today by Kendra Vineyard from the Maya Angelo Library. Welcome, Kendra. Thank you very much. Yes, we have the same last name because we're married. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we dive into the world of horror, I why don't you tell our listeners how you ended up working at the library and what exactly you do? Okay. Um, well, my story goes back to 2007. I was uh, hired as a juvenile detention officer and I was enjoying doing that, getting a paycheck um, until one day I was not enjoying doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to change careers um, went to library information school, uh, majored in that actually at San Jose State, got my degree and decided to look for a job um, being a public librarian. Um, got a little bit of an experience from um, John Adams Elementary where I was a library media assistant. Um, and then from there, uh, started subbing for SSJCPAL. Um, yeah, uh, I subbed at a few branches, uh, one in Ripon and then at the central branch. Then got hired on full-time as a library assistant. Libra- yeah, library assistant. So you got your degree before you came to the Stockton-San Joaquin system. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Nice. I came in with the master's already, um, and I just needed to work my way up. So that's what I did, and I'm enjoying it. I've been enjoying it ever since. I started in uh, 2017 as a full-time um, LA um, and then from there, just started promoting. Nice. Now, okay, I didn't warn you about this question because I didn't know I was going to ask it. But for you know, you, you know, we've got some listeners, some especially younger patrons out there that are interested in possibly going the librarian route with their career. So you've worked in both a school setting and now a public library setting. Are there any differences there you could tell them about? Because you know, um, the biggest difference would be probably like the programming. Um, mm. in, a, in a school, you're not going to do um, as much programming as you do at a public library. So if you're more um, into programming... Um, now, do you mean computer programming? No, I mean putting on <laughs> events at the library. Uh-huh. Um, so if you're into like adult programming, you may do something computer-oriented, like computer classes. Um, if you're more into kids, you may do something in the children's area, like story time or some type of arts and crafts yeah. program. But, um, no, if you're, that's probably the biggest difference. Um, there's also reference, uh, questions that you would answer at a public library that you may not get as much, um, at a, as a, at a school, mm-hmm. in the school setting, depending on how, how many resources the school has. So if the school is lacking in resources, you may get more questions from students. If the school is pretty well, you know, endowed with resources for their students, you may not get as much because the students may be more um, adept at, you know, doing their own research and things of that nature. Or going over to their public library. Or going over (laughs) to their public library. Nice. Okay. Right on, right on. Well, why don't we start 
dipping our toes into the horror pool. Um, how did you get interested in the horror film genre? Um, as a kid, I was always sort of into the genre. Um, I liked the idea of being scared, but being scared in a group setting. So I, you know, had my cousin and my older brother, we would, uh, oftentimes have like sleepovers and it was without fail. We would be watching some form of a scary movie, whether Mm. it was mainly slashers, um, in that time, in the 80s, it would probably be Friday the 13th um, or Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. or even a Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it was mainly like being scared, but within a the comfort of a group, a group setting. setting yeah. Yes. Yeah. And do you have a favorite horror movie? I do. I have a favorite, yeah. I guess, slasher mm-hmm. and a favorite movie in that uh, series. So uh, Jason Voorhees would probably be my favorite Um and my favorite Friday the 13th movie is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mainly because in that film, he did not kill kids. And I thought that was so awesome of him and so sweet of him. Yeah. So, and you said you like slashers, but before we started recording, you had started a discussion that we will have on here about what kinds of people slashers tend to go after. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I li- I also like that Jason is... Equal opportunity as far as adults are concerned, but kids under, I don't know what the cutoff age is. I guess he he kills counselors at the camp, so like teenagers. So I guess once you're 13, you're you're free game. You're free game, (laughs) right. So I really think that um, I would say probably 13 and under. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I love that he didn't. He thought about it. He had the opportunity to do it, but he didn't. So, okay, if any listeners hear uh, the sound of a dog sniffing or panting, that's uh, Maxwell. (laughs) Um, So, how did you choose today's movie? And do you want to go through the whole, the other one? (laughs) Okay, so we started with a different movie. I think it was called The Riff, Dark Side of the Moon, because Mm. I... Like slashers, um, I'm a fan of space movies. So I thought this would be a great space horror film. It had a picture of an astronaut on the cover. It was not. It was not (laughs) good. It wasn't. wasn't. No. And so we had already watched uh, Black Christmas. Black Christmas is the film, yes. And um, so we were like, well, this was a pretty good movie that we could talk about. Let's let's do this one instead mm-hmm. and pick this film instead. Mm. So that's how we got to that um, to uh, Black Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it was good enough that we watched actually both remakes in one weekend. Yes, yes, so. and this one was my by far my favorite. Yes, this is the night the original 1974 version. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in joining my uh, horror club, we meet every Monday at 5 p.m. Uh, you just got to register online at the library website, and we. Yeah, we discussed Black Christmas during our December Christmas horror uh, thing. So for our first official segment for discussing this movie, uh, I would love for you to give us a elevator pitch for the movie in 30 seconds or less. And I will start the timer when you start talking. (laughs) Okay, so I would say Stranger in the House, uh, Sorority Girls and slashing Mm -hmm. so (laughs) 
I, I won't say, won't go into great detail about what happens in the film in case, you know, listeners do want to check it out. But there's someone in the house, he kills, then there is sort of a an ending. All right, there you go. 25 seconds. Nice. <laughs> so, all right. If you plan on seeing this movie, pause and go see it because we actually, I think, both would recommend it. Yes. It was pretty absolutely. fun. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, spoilers from here on out. Let's pour some coffee. Start our next segment. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever you prefer. If you're a tea, juice, soda person, or just H2O. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this movie. Okay. We've got some trivia for you. Um, oh, for me? Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for you, for the listeners, for everybody. This okay. was something that my horror club had pointed out because they are usually better than me at seeing the trivia yet. So, one of the sorority girls, Margot Kidder, who I knew as Lois Lane yes. from Superman, yes. was actually intoxicated during the film. She insisted on having real alcohol on set. No one else on set insisted on that. So, um, God, I hope that isn't true. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, another thing I uh, kind of liked was Olivia Hussey or Husey apparently decided to do this film because her psychic told her to and mm. said it would be very successful. Very interesting. I'm, I'm wondering what else the psychic may have told her. Uh, actually, somewhere on here, it, it says she had been told she was going to marry Paul McCartney. Oh, wow. One of the Beatles, Lennon. huh? Yes, one of the oh, Beatles. One of the Beatles. And, uh, I wonder how that turned out. That, <laughs> I don't think that ended up happening. It ended up What kind of psychic? Yeah. So, as far as the movie, though, I was I was really excited to see this because I was told this is one of the original slashers. Um, and, of course, I had seen pretty much all of the Scream movies with my mom. So, seeing the original, like, phone call yeah. movie yeah. was that, cool. That's interesting because going into this film, I did not know that, mm-hmm. that this was one of the original slashers. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what I, I had heard before, I don't know whether it was through Urban Legend or um, one of those uh, scary story books, be mm-hmm. sure to check it out, mm-hmm. um, where it was like the call was coming from inside the house type of type of thing. Yep. So I thought that was pretty cool once I actually watched it and I was like, oh, I know where that's from. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a pretty interesting tidbit of it too. Yep. That's what this was based on. Yeah, I had apparently. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> the call coming from inside the house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although I also another trivia I just read there is a book now based on the movie. Oh, nice! So the movie wasn't based on a book, but now oh, there's okay. a book based on the movie. Cool, so, cool, cool. Uh, and if we can if we don't have it at the library, I'll bet Link Plus has it somewhere. Yeah, uh, somebody you can check it out California. with your library card. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got this killer calling the sorority house, and at some point you do get to see his his or her. You don't know mm-hmm. um, their point of view. They've climbed into the attic, and they're hiding in the attic for pretty much the whole movie. And they are picking girls off one by one. And the girls are not trapped in the house the whole time. They go to the police station. Yeah. They go to the hockey rink. They go to the university. They're pretty much living their lives, not realizing that their sorority sisters are getting picked off. Right. Because, I mean, I guess it's understandable. Like, he, he goes after people who were leaving for the holidays. Right. Anyways, um, one of their dads shows up and is very judgmental 
mainly with his looks. He doesn't say it. <laughs> right. No, he, he's very good with uh, facial acting. And I'm not sure what you actually call that, what the correct term for that is. But, yeah, you can you can read his dis, displeasure through his face. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of our club's favorite parts was him judging the, the lady that runs the house yeah. for drinking. And they had all kinds of, like, posters up like there was one with a an older lady making a face and flipping off the which i thought was funny in the scene where like the the mother of the house Mm. the woman of the house is trying to hide the poster from the dad Mm -hmm. and she's doing a very bad job of of hiding it and it's so very obvious what she's trying to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought it was pretty Mm -hmm. ridiculous but funny at the same time Yeah. yeah yeah Let's see. And then the police station, when they report it, the lead detective is also... John Sax- Saxon? Saxon. Yeah. he's uh, He plays Nancy's dad in mm-hmm. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. So there was another little, you know, nice little callback. And yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, he stuck with the genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was a cop yep. in, in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. So I want to be a cop to him. in a slasher yes. film. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Let's see. Were there any jump scares that got you? Um, not so much. One of the things that I thought was interesting in the very beginning when you see the killer entering the house, it's from his point of view. So Mm -hmm. it's that first person point of view, almost like when you're playing a video game and you just see like the person, the the character holding whatever weapon they're holding and they're Mm -hmm. going throughout the game. In, in this, I thought that was pretty interesting for that time period because mm-hmm. to be able to pull off that first-person point-of-view shot as he's climbing the climbing the, the second story, like the ladder <laughs> yeah. to get to the second story, to get to the attic, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 Must have been wearing some kind of rig on his chest. Yeah. His, I don't know. But to, but to do that <laughs> shot in the early 70s, you know, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. They, didn't, they didn't have iPhones back then, did right? they? Right. No. no. <laughs> And we'll get to that. There's a there's a scene in there also when it, dealing with the phone call and tracing. Oh no, let's get in. That's <laughs> oh, in. yeah. So Kendra had two favorite parts to this movie. Let's dive into the first part. So which has to do with the, the phones. The first part, you know, they're the cops are. You know, they they clearly believe the woman now. That there's something going on in the house, mm. and they're trying to trace the phone call. And, you know, you cut to the guy that works for the telephone company, and he's in this huge warehouse type. You know, with with like stacks of what I can only describe as like by today's standards being servers. So he's in this Mm -hmm. huge warehouse with with just tons of servers throughout. And he's running around trying to find the line that is like moving or whatever Mm -hmm. because they're trying to trace the call. And, you know, he's on the phone with the cops like telling them, hey, you got to keep them on the line. Tell the girls to keep them on the line longer (laughs) because he's running around. I mean, there are like there are tons of these things, right? Like hundreds of these these uh, server like phone lines and he's trying to trace the call and it just it just seems so ridiculous by today's standards mm-hmm. that you would a have a whole huge warehouse with all the phone lines on it and b you're trying to trace this call but you're only using one person mm-hmm. so it's like you, you mm-hmm. would think there would be more people involved in this <laughs> but it's like no hey you go out there and trace this phone call he's like i got it and he's running around Sticking the little output, the three and a half uh, millimeter uh, yep. jacket to the each little thing, trying to hear. It's yep. like, oh my gosh, this guy, this poor guy. 
Well, I'll tell you what everybody in my club just kept saying every time something was weird. It was the 70s, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the 70s. Yeah. But yeah, you know, he also, you know, he's a trooper. So mm-hmm. I'll give him thumbs up for mm-hmm. trying. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what's funny is I feel like I've seen the old movies where the phone is like, operator, please connect me. And you see a person with just a desk <laughs> plugging in a wire. And then I've seen the more modern movies where it's like, okay, yeah, we got to trace the call. And they have a, a computer screen yeah. with a map yeah. and code. And you're just seeing like traces go over the map. Yeah. They're like, typing on their keyboard. They're trying to triangulate the so, position of the phone yes, call. Yes. Yes. So this was like the in-between stage apparently <laughs> from a desk just with wires for each phone line. Yeah. And a computer screen with a map of the whole city. You have a warehouse. Yeah. With like... <laughs> Phone stations, phone banks, servers all over the warehouse. Yeah, that guy got his workout in. He did. He definitely got his steps in. <laughs> yeah. And that's a nod to the walking club in yes. Angelo. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. We do want to plug some library programs. We'll, pl- we'll plug it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. He he works on tracing it. He eventually realizes it's coming from inside the house. By then, I want to say... Pretty much everybody in the house has been murdered except for Olivia uh, Hussey's character. And the police call her and tell her, just walk out. Yeah. Don't don't ask questions. Just leave out the front door. We're on our way. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those times. I don't know if anyone else out there, when you were young and your parents just told told you to do something, you didn't question them. You just did it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so that's the kind of the upbringing I come from. Like my household, my mom would be like, hey, just do it. Don't don't ask questions. If I'm telling you to do mm-hmm. something, do it. Mm-hmm. It's for a reason. Mm-hmm. The cops tell her very plainly, hey, the cops are on their way. Just walk out of the house and meet the, the lead detective outside. Why? No, 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 no. Don't ask questions. But why? No, no. <laughs> We're not asking questions. You just. Walk outside and meet the lead detective on the front on the front yard in the front yard. Well, you, let me go get my other friends. No, 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 no. That's not what I told you to do. I told you to walk outside, put down the phone, and walk outside. She did the exact opposite of everything mm. that cop told her to mm. do. So it was one of those moments where you're just like, you know, the upbringing. Where was this woman's mm. upbringing? Like mm-hmm. she should have known better. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to victim blame, but that was one of those moments where, you know, you could easily just put the phone down and walk outside. Yeah. Like, at some point, I feel like, okay, once you know somebody's going around killing people, okay, your guard needs to be up and you need to start making smart decisions. Yes. And if the (laughs) cops say you need to just leave the house right now. Yeah. Just go outside. We're on our way. You know. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to question that. Yeah. (laughs) so she of course doesn't do it she ends up playing cat and mouse with the killer and with who we think might be the killer but we or who they think might be the killer but we the audience know probably isn't her her piano player boyfriend Boyfriend. is also coming through yeah, I think his name was Peter. I'm not sure. Might have been Peter. It might have been Peter. Piano playing Peter. There you go. I, I don't really know. Sometimes I, I don't, yeah. I'm not really good with names. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll just call him Peter yeah. for the purpose of this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Peter shows up and you, you know, you kind of think like, hey, yes, someone's going to be there to help her. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. She, of course, does not know that it's not Peter. Mm-mm. 
And again, here's a spoiler alert. So if you haven't watched it, you probably shouldn't be listening at this moment, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say something else. So she kills Peter because she doesn't know mm-hmm. if the killer is Peter or not. But Peter is like, hey, why are you afraid? I'm just me. It's Peter. She is cowering in the mm-hmm. corner with a crowbar mm-hmm. and very clearly shaken. But he still approaches her and is like, what are you doing? Why do you have that crowbar? But you're saying those lines like a normal person. He was being creepy still. Yeah. And we know he had, like, destroyed his piano because he was a failure. (laughs) And he had been, like, I don't know. He didn't threaten her, but he was really upset because they were a couple, but she didn't want to marry him. And, uh... Right. I mean, for... for this, the from the time period, okay, mm-hmm. this film, I guess you could say, was kind of progressive because it did tackle a very serious issue that we won't go into too much here. But it did a tackle, it did tackle um, abortion, and so it was one of those. T- it was right during, um, right after Roe v. Wade, so you kind of get this this sense that oh, this movie is kind of being a little progressive, where they're talking about this this very serious issue with the, with this couple. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of see, like, the boyfriend is just really a jerk. And mm-hmm. you're like, man. Well, his he failed at school, so now he wants to be a dad. Like, a he husband. thinks that'll make up for it or yeah. something or give his life meaning. Yeah. And he's just coming off super creepy. So, <laughs> of course, she kills him because yeah. she thinks he's the killer. Yeah. He's being creepy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then this leads to, you know, the police finally arrive. And this leads to your second favorite part of the movie. Yes. I will let you go ahead and describe it. <laughs> so, my, I guess, this will probably be my first, my my favorite part of this film. Oh, this is in, number one. In, in, the phone bank is number two. Yeah, in, in, the, in the sense of ridiculousness, okay. this is number one. Oh, okay. Because I don't know, in any time period, when someone has been physically assaulted or attacked, mm-hmm. where you leave the victim at the scene of the crime, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you treat the victim there, mm-hmm. and then say, you know what, she'll be fine, she just needs the rest. Just so, the police get there, and <laughs> you know they, of course, think, like Michael said, Peter did it, right? So, they're like, oh, we knew it was the boyfriend. He's dead. Everything is, is normal again. Everything is fine. So the victim, um, I forgot the name of her character, but Olivia Hussey's character Mm -hmm. is like completely traumatized, as you should be, Mm -hmm. after surviving a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. So instead of putting her on a gurney, getting her in the ambulance, and taking her to the hospital Mm -hmm. where she can be treated because she's very clearly in shock, Mm -hmm. they decide to take her upstairs to her bedroom, put her in a bed, give her some medicine to sedate her, and then say, well, you know what? She's asleep. We, she won't be awake for hours. There's nothing more we can do here. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the man in the room, the father of the missing girl, who they still haven't found yet. Judgy dad. Judgy dad. Um, <laughs> he goes to stand up and he like collapses. And they're like, oh my God, this man is in shock. We need to get him to a hospital right away. Mm-hmm. Now, this man has not survived any near-death experiences. He's not nearly been killed in this house. Mm-hmm. The woman who has clearly survived this and is traumatized from this, they sedate her and leave her in the room alone. Mm-hmm. All the mm-hmm. cops leave. Uh, the doctor leaves because they have to take the man, the dad, to the mm-hmm. hospital because he's he's in shock now. Yeah. And the one officer that they leave at the scene of a crime 
they leave him outside. He's outside smoking a cigarette, enjoying his night. The woman is upstairs, asleep, defenseless. Mm-hmm. And again, spoiler alert, the killer is still in the house because they have not cleared the house. They just saw Peter dead on the ground and assumed all was normal yeah. again. Like, I'm, I am all for them assuming it's Peter because all evidence points to him. But they still should have checked the entire, entire house. house. Yes. And then they would have found all the bodies in the attic <laughs> and probably flushed the killer out. And probably realized... <laughs> Maybe well, Peter didn't do all of these. It wasn't Peter. Maybe it wasn't Peter. There's a lot of bodies for one person mm-hmm. to have killed who was still clearly being seen in other parts yep. of town yep. at his piano recital yep. or whatever it was, audition. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just feels like, you know, just really bad police work. <laughs> and did and did they tell the cop they left to guard her from outside? Did they tell him, by the way, the last guy we left to do this got killed? <laughs> no. <laughs> like No. So really be on your guard. <laughs> no, they did not tell him really, that. Really, really be aware of your surroundings. No. Um, no, they just rushed the, the dad to the hospital because he was in shock yeah. after standing up and falling down. Yep. That was very traumatic for him. Like, even if she was completely fine, I feel like in a modern movie now, they would be like, well, still, we're going to put one of those heavy blankets on you. Yes. And maybe not put you in an ambulance, but put you in a cop car. Yeah. And we're going to drive you downtown so we can... But take your statement and get you in touch with a counselor. And in, in any movie, <laughs> at any point in time, because someone yeah. has been through a very traumatic experience. She just killed her boyfriend. Right. <laughs> she was nearly killed. Like. <laughs> you would think she has injuries because at PTSD, one point. Man. Um, exactly. At one point, mm. uh, the killer, the real killer, like trips her and she falls down the stairs and she gets up and she continues yeah. to run. So even from just that, mm-hmm. you would think. Mm-hmm. That, you know, hey, this warrants a trip to the hospital, mm-hmm. not to her bed where you give her some medicine so she can go to sleep yep. and just sleep it off. Yep. Because apparently in all slasher films, all you ever need is rest. Just get some, get, just get just some, get some rest. rest. Just get yeah. some rest and you'll be fine. Unless you are an, a judgy old man. Yes. Then you need medical <laughs> attention. He, he knew he knew that girls had been killed. But they had not found his daughter. Right. So she was technically still missing. So he hasn't like seen her. He's just wor- really, really worried. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was insane. Yeah. And that was yeah. I I can see why that would be your your first favorite part yes. of this. Just movie. the ridiculousness of that scene. Yeah. Oh my god. So okay, one segment that I've been playing with the idea of. You know, we're still just a couple episodes into this podcast, but I was thinking of trying to play. Would you rather? Okay. With my with my guest. So you're the first person I'm trying this out with. Oh, nice, nice. And I did not come up with anything ahead of time. Oh, boy. Oh, we're <laughs> going right off the dome. So, right off the top of the head. Okay. I've got it. Okay, I've got a would you rather. Okay. Okay. Let's let's say you are the the, the girl in the house. Would you rather have the... The police officer sitting in the car watching your back? Or would you rather let in the two random townsfolk with rifle hunting rifles? Oh, man. You know, I would rather have the two random townsfolk. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Um, they, lived. Tr- they lived. They <laughs> lived. Not because they were savvy at what they were doing. <laughs> um, but I would rather have them 
in the house with me simply because those are that's two additional people that the killer could potentially kill before he gets to me. I know that I know that sounds bad. It sounds bad. It sounds bad. But if I want to live uh, and I'm trying to survive, I got to weigh my options. What just, gives me the best chance of survival? You just got to run faster than You them. just got to run faster than mm-hmm. the slowest person you're with. Mm-hmm. Remember that, people. Mm-hmm. You just got to run faster than the slowest person there. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. You don't got to beat everybody. You just got to beat at least one. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because mm-hmm. in, my, in my mind, I'm trying to survive the night. And the cop yeah. in the car, <laughs> the cop in the car is out completely, in my mind, out of the picture. Yeah. He, the killer is not outside killing people. No. So if the killer was outside killing people, then I would want the guy outside. Yeah. Because then he could stop, take the time to kill him, which would give me maybe 30 <laughs> seconds to a right. minute to get away. Right. But in this case, I want the two silly guys to come inside mm-hmm. and, you know, they can... And the three of you could search the entire house together. Well, see, in reality, the two of them <laughs> would be searching the house because right. I'm going to be somewhere else yeah. not trying to find the killer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to be uh-huh. ready to go out the door yeah. when they find him. Or if they get killed and I see them getting killed, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it's time to go. Okay, so the killer is over there in the bedroom, so I should be outside <laughs> this house. Yes. That's me. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go outside. Yes. I'm going to I'm gonna pull a Jamie Lee Curtis and just light the whole thing on fire. There you go. Walk away. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Granted, as long as they were there, I don't think you'd have to worry about the killer. Because I think the killer was a coward who would only yeah. go after someone who was sleeping or distracted yeah, which, and alone. Which sort of brings me to my other issue oh, with this slasher yes. right. uh, film. And that is that... <sighs> You know, he only wanted, he only killed women. Mm-hmm. Like, even mm-hmm. the girl that, the, the young girl that he killed off screen was like a what, 13 or 14 mm-hmm. year old girl. Mm-hmm. So that was also problematic for me. It was like, okay, that's the one thing I like about, you know, Jason. He mm-hmm. was sort of more of an equal opportunity killer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't even matter if it was, actually, he, I think he killed more men than he did female characters in his films. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate that. You yeah. know, if any young filmmakers are out there and you guys are thinking <laughs> about doing a slasher film, please, please get away from the damsel in distress um, uh, stereotype mm-hmm. or that whole, you know, mm-hmm. thing because it, it's, uh, it's worn out. And I think we've moved to, we're in a more progressive state. Mm-hmm. It's okay to kill men. Mm-hmm. It's okay for a slasher to kill a man. <laughs> I mean... In the sense of filmmaking, okay, that not in real life, like in in filmmaking, it, it's okay for yeah for the slasher to go after the men, yeah. Like you know, it wasn't like um the slasher was trying to kill the fraternity brothers. It was no, it was nope. all sorority nope, sisters. Not a frat. No. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, you know, let's let's show both sides of that coin. Yeah, yeah. Or pick a really interesting profession that they could be obsessed with. <laughs> yeah, yeah right like, yeah like we're gonna i'm gonna i'm going after all the law firms in town or something because <laughs> lawyers you know took yeah. my family farm i don't yeah. know i don't know <laughs> and that was the other thing about this film i think that you enjoyed most is mm. that the mis- the mystique behind it like you you don't really know why this killer is doing what he's doing <sighs> yes i forgot to bring that up i wasn't gonna bring it up but I yes <laughs> So this is one of our ongoing debates yes. in our household is do we want more or do we want less information about the the villain? And uh, yeah, I really liked this movie. You do, I think you do see that it's a man at some point. 
but you don't know who it is and you don't get any explanation for why this man came to their house yeah. and started doing this. I don't know if they said, if they did that thing where they say someone had escaped from a mental facility. I don't think they even do that kind I don't, of thing. I don't remember them like talking a throwaway about thing. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. I think it's just, wow, some somebody crazy. See, a part of me is more like, I want to know the why. You know what I mean? That's Maybe yes. that's the, Which, the, if the you, left brain in me. Like, yeah. And if you want that, uh, folks, you can go see the, the remake uh, from 2006, Six, I, think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that, that'll give you the whole... The whole backstory, flashbacks, I think exclamations. It, gives you more than, it gave me more everything. than what I actually needed. <laughs> yep. Careful what you wish for. Right. Because uh, that went too far the other way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, leave some to the imagination. Yes. But yes. Yeah. Um, so for our last segment, let's hand out some Academy Awards. Somehow we've gotten in charge, put in charge of the Oscars yes. for 1974. And uh, we get to hand out some Oscars. Okay. I know you want, you had one. Yeah, so my Oscar would go in the category would be hardest working. I don't know if he was a civil servant, but hardest hardest worker. We'll put it to you like that. <laughs> and that goes to the telephone company man who did his best mm -hmm. to trace this phone call and really broke this case wide open mm -hmm. when he told them the call was coming from inside the house. Mm -hmm. So I think he was pivotal in the, in in this in this film like his role was so important. Big time. Yes. Big that, time. You know, it that really is the the bone chilling moment. Mm -hmm. If you're watching it and you're like, and you don't know, but as the audience, we all know. Mm -hmm. But for the characters in the film, that was the bone chilling moment. Like when the cop realized, and he's like, mm -hmm. no, it's it's coming from phone line six. And then, yeah. well, no, phone line six is the house. And he was yeah. like, yeah, it's coming <gasps> from inside the yes. house. He, and that was like that moment where the characters was like, uh-oh. That was the uh-oh moment. But yeah, I love that. I loved him doing mm -hmm. his best to trace the phone call. Mm -hmm. I will give an Academy Award to all of the actors and actresses who pretended to be intoxicated without having to have actual alcohol like Margot Kidder did. Because I'm not a fan of uh, method acting. <laughs> Uh, I think people, you know, actors should just, you know, be able to act. act. <laughs> so Academy Awards to everybody who just acted like they were drinking. Uh, yeah. yeah, I will. Great. No, no, I'm just saying, yeah, that, that, that's a great category. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, best costuming uh, award um, to the hockey player boyfriend who had a fur coat. That I've never imagined a hockey player wearing. Because it wasn't like a wolf fur, you know, rugged Northman's fur coat. It was like Cruella de Vil fancy lady. Well, <laughs> in his defense, it was the 70s. It was the 70s. It was the 70s. It was the 70s. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. Any other Academy Awards? Mm. No, I mean, I would maybe give an award to uh, John Saxton just for, for being typecast, for being willing to be typecast. Mm -hmm. and at least in this film, this was his first. Mm -hmm. And then in uh, Friday, not I me, mean Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, he was also a cop. Mm -hmm. So he was sort of okay with being typecast as being the yeah. cop. 
And in in a slasher film. Yeah. And in Nightmare on Elm Street, he was very much just dismissive. Don't worry about it. Yeah. This one, I think he did a good job of towing the line between, I don't really believe these, you know, this craziness, this, but then also I'm going to, I'm going to look into it a little bit. Yeah. And then once he was in, he was in. He was in. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Let's figure this out. And... I could see why he would totally suspect the piano playing Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, any reasonable person would. You know, he was sort of a creep, you know. Yep. Motive, and, uh, opportunity. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you again for joining me, Kendra. You're welcome. Yes. Are there any upcoming programs that you want to promote at the Maya Angelo Library. You mentioned, um, you mentioned walking club. Yeah, so at Angelo we do have um, a walking club. Um, we actually don't have any members yet, uh, so we're, we're putting this out there hoping that people will actually join us in walking at the library because we do more than just books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and also because, you know, the weather's also is no oh, winter, yeah. so you got to take tough. that into consideration as well. So with the weather um, then, what, what uh, virtual programs? Might virtual you... programs, we have mm-hmm. Lego Club for Ooh. our youngsters, which is really great, um, and Family Kahoot. So, you know, if you're really good with trivia or you like trivia, Ooh, definitely check that out. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And then system-wide, be sure to continue to do, uh, write down the titles of your books on your winter reading logs. So. Yes, winter reading's going on as of yes. this recording and probably even as of posting because it's going through January 31st. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, I'm going to plug Horror Club. If you like this podcast and you like horror movies in general, you know, like I said, register online. We meet every Monday at 5. So thank you again, Kendra. Thank you very much. Thank you to all our, our listeners out there, and have a wonderful evening. Library. The 13th. Browse from a great selection of fiction and nonfiction digital items in Hoopla. Hoopla also has a wide variety of popular comics for all ages. Library card holders are allowed four checkouts a month. Enjoy magazines and the great courses unlimited with a binge pass. A Hoopla binge pass gives you seven days of unlimited access to great online content with a single borrow. To get started, visit ssjcpl.org. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at SSJCPL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at SSJCPL.org.